It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Take some Fats Waller, mix in some pop songs and elements of the Great American Songbook, and sprinkle with eccentricity, and you only get part of the story about my guests, Elizabeth Bougeral and Evan Palazzo. Their group, the Hot Sardines, are performing in Myron's at the Smith Center this Thursday and Friday, January 25th and 26th at 7 p.m. For ticket information, Go to thesmithcenter.com, and for everything about the Hot Sardines, you can go to hotsardines.com, and you can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and X. And Elizabeth and Evan, e e welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. How Hi. you doing, Ira? Good. So I guess the most important question, which I've been thinking about for decades now, is what got the two of you together? Decades, huh? Well, wow. Decades. We haven't even known each other for decades. <laughs> I know. I, I go back in time mentally, so it just it happens that way. <laughs> <laughs> An accidental meeting at a jazz jam is the short answer, and the legend flows from that. We hit it off and started playing songs together and eventually went to an open mic and never expected to be here talking with you decades later. So we're doing what we love and that's, that's good things happen when that happens. Absolutely correct. Now here's where it gets tricky. And I, I should have asked this before we started, but I'm going to ask it now because I, I have two dates when you technically founded the group, one of which is 2011. And I think the other one was, I'm trying to remember the other date I had, but I'm going to let you correct it if I'm incorrect in terms of when the group actually formed. Well, wow. you know, we had, um, we had uh, in the way of any project, you kind of don't know it's happening until you have hindsight to pinpoint it. Evan and I started playing together just for fun, and it was just the two of us, and it was a couple of other people, and then we just kind of went back to our jobs for a while. But really, the iteration of this band and Evans and my, like, let's go for it moment, I think was really in, in 2011. Yeah, the other date I found was 2007. So that was the other date that, that kept that's popping up. That's when we met. Okay. That is when um, we met, but no hot sardines right away, because we had regular jobs. We were seeking out other people who loved this form of jazz, and it was... Uh, sort of a hobby, and we found so much in common. So we were busking, we were doing open mics, and yeah, it wasn't until I would say 2011 that we could say we are a band and uh, we are the Hot Sardines. And you've been busy all those years after that. So it's it's been incredible. And you've had several albums, which we'll talk about as well, because we have the time to do it. And I, I urge people to listen to some of your albums because there's some great stuff on there. How did you guys come up with the hot sardines as opposed to, I don't know, the cold mackerels or some other idiom? <laughs> Thank you, Evan. I appreciate it. You're, you're one of my few guests that actually laugh at my material. I like that. <laughs> the cold mackerels, man. That's good. <laughs> that's gold. Honestly, we, you know, we, we chuckle so much. We get, this, we get this question sometimes. And, you know, we, we needed a name for an open mic to put on the sign-in sheet. 
And um, we really didn't put much thought into it, Ira. We had no idea that we were ever going to be playing, you know, beyond that open mic, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. We had no idea that one day it would be printed, you know, on on a, a record sleeve from, you know, uh, for Decca Record. We had no idea. So we just, we were talking a lot about... <laughs> Louis Armstrong's Hot Fives and Sevens and Django Reinhardt's, you know, Hot Club of France. And we knew that, you know, we wanted the name hot, the word hot in there, maybe. And then I saw a tin of sardines and hot sauce at the supermarket <laughs> and I called Evan. And we were like, it's Googleable, you know. It's so goofy. You probably would choose something else, but it's way too late now. So Evan didn't say to you, why don't we use cold mackerels instead? You know, that. <laughs> No, I didn't. I, okay. I said I love it, um, and I do love it. It it it's a happy accident. We needed a name for that night, and it's a name that's hard to forget. Look, we're talking about it. I mean, that's absolutely that's key. No, decades to, later. Decades yeah, later. Decades later. So yeah, it's weird. It's a weird name, but uh, we're a little weird ourselves. We play jazz that's sometimes a hundred years old. So there. Well, I enjoy jazz 100 years old, and I also enjoy the Great American Songbook, and I was listening to a couple of your selections on some of your albums where some of the tunes were, you, you could say pop versus jazz, and not necessarily from the Great American Songbook, but thoroughly enjoyable. I guess the take, you, you both have similar sensibilities. The fact that you guys could connect when you did was serendipity. I like that word, too. In fact, how about the hot serendipities? Listen, when your next group, go with that. All right, so you Pretty get good. together. Good. <laughs> you get together, and when does, the, when does it become obvious to both of you that, okay, this is going to work. We're jumping in with all nine feet, and we're going to make this a success. When did that happen, and where did that happen? Or was it evolution decades ago? Hmm. hmm. Well, I it did happen. Like... Yes, Go ahead, we, Elizabeth. We did establish that it no, did I, happen. Yes, thank you, Evan, for that. But what about some facts here, I, some I, details? I feel like I feel like there was a moment, and I, I I don't actually know when this was, but I feel like there was a moment when we had a conversation where we were kind of like, "This has more momentum than the other things we're doing with our lives." So let's commit to this for, I think we said for a year or two years, Evan, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we said, let's be all in for a year. And after that, it, you know, we walk away, no harm done if it doesn't work and we'll play you know, music as friends. Cause we tr- really and truly never set out to play music professionally. At least, you know, I mean, Evan had studied musical theater. I hadn't studied performance. I, you know, was was working as a tr- as a uh, a content editor for a travel website and but we knew that when we got into a room we were more excited about this stuff than we were about our other jobs and we knew that we had that the 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 golden mix of like connection and timing mm-hmm. i think and we thought let's just go for it so you both quit your jobs as Walmart greeters, and you say, let's go on the road and put together a band. You didn't like that, Evan. Okay, listen, not all of my jokes are great. I smiled. No, that was a very, I'm, I'm, I don't want to interrupt the audio. <laughs> How's that? 
I like different it. Walmarts. Yeah, different exactly. Walmart. Oh, yeah, different Welcome cities to too. Walmart. <laughs> so, well, you now, now comes the challenge of putting a band together, right? Because it's not just you and Elizabeth; it's it's others. So, how did that process begin? Where you you had to obviously pick you had to pick musicians that had, if not the same sensibility, a similar sensibility because they had to understand the humor as well as the talent as well as the music. Would that be fair? Yes, and it, it was a um, uh, it was a, a over time uh, accumulation of wonderful musicians. We played with many musicians since I guess we started, but in, in each of their ways, they contribute mightily. We do see ourselves as a, uh, if not a collective, we collectively um, communicate the 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 joy in this music in the shows, and and we look for musicians who have that same sensibility. You know, also, it's important to have decent human beings in the band that are easygoing and can take the road. So there's it's it's a tough nut to crack. We all get very uh, tired and you need to to be right on your game at eight o'clock. And there's a it's almost like an Olympic event that you, you need to have some experience to pull off with ease and fun, which we like to have on the road. So, so yeah, we have a lot of, of great musicians, and uh, we're very grateful for that. And they've come joined us over the decades, and we still play with ones we've played for many years, and we're still incorporating new musicians we discover who are have exactly what you said, Ira, that sensibility and willingness to communicate it in a show. And do the two of you have to agree on who you pick as musicians working with with you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I don't yeah. think we've ever. I mean, I don't know that we've ever really disagreed. I mean, we we no. in terms of in terms of like finding someone and being like, this person's got it. Let's 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 get them a little bring bring them in bring them in closer. Um, it's so much of it is about vibe. You know, what was really great is that before we even started adding musicians and making a band, Evan and I played a bunch of gigs, just the two of us. And actually one gig yeah. in particular, we had residency in Pennsylvania and we don't live in Pennsylvania. You know, at the time, Evan and I both lived in, each lived in New York with our, our respective partners. And, um, and so we would drive, Evan would drive and, 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 you know, we would, we'd talk about the set list and we would play hours and hours of music. So we got to do that mind melding thing where, not only did we learn material and start grokking, arranging, and so on and so forth, but we just kind of got on the same wavelength in terms of the vibe of it. And so that makes it, um, honestly, that kind of shorthand makes it really intuitive to select people who fit not just the style of music and the era and all that, but just the vibe. You know, it's like a band is like any other organization. The, the It's a culture, you know, mm -hmm. and so. And it's a tight culture because you both are on the road or not just you two, but also the group, the rest of the group are on the road all the time. So you have to really form a bond and be able to create that culture to make it all work. As Evan said, you know, you're ready to perform at well, normally eight, but in this case, seven at the Smith Center. Again, this Thursday and Friday, I'd like to mention, just to refer to, or mention again about it. I want to also talk a little bit about when you started to record and the choice of selections of recording versus live performance. Obviously, you use some of the material from albums that you've done and incorporate it into the live performance, but I'm assuming that in the live performance, there's also other elements or other songs, I should say. Oh, yes, Absolutely. 
Well, it's a t- it's very different things the live the live experience and and the listening record experience, and it's one that we continue to uh, work on and 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 find interesting differences and yet similarities as well. So it's a it's a mix of of songs that we do. We have several albums, and a lot of our songs are on those albums, but not all, especially new material. We love to bring new material as when we get so lucky to come back to a, a, a venue or a city and especially Las Vegas. And if there's two shows in the night, we like to make sure they're not identical in case someone enjoys the first one. Well, maybe they'll stay and see the second one. So yeah, that stuff like that, we like to mix it up quite a bit. And as a result, our repertoire is, is sufficiently large. And I think I read some, go ahead. Endless. You know, it just feels, you know, it's, it's really fun to go, to go, to dive in. And we're like, wow, what haven't we played in a while? It's just, it's fun. It's part of the, it's part of the, it's part of the joy of of doing it, honestly, is figuring out like, oh, who's, who's on this gig? Like, well, who's in the band for this run? And, and, you know, what, what, what do we want to play? And I believe I read somewhere that I think Evan gives a cue to the rest of the guys when it's, when the right when you're about to start as to where you're going with a song or a set of songs i think what yeah i think what you mean there is uh, i and i it's not my idea but i use hand signals yes correct yes when we're improvising um you know right. it's it's a hearkening back to the way a lot of uh, jazz mans would operate there'd be the nominal leader of the song and they would send special signals to flats, you know, uh, each soloist has a number so that you could improvise and not, you know, we don't play exactly charted pieces. There's charted sections, but we like to play in that traditional style where you sort of call solos. Sometimes it's a shared solo. Sometimes it's half a chorus and, and those are hand signals. And just for the record, Evan never has used the middle finger during those hand signals. <laughs> not on purpose. No, no, no not, not on a, purpose. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> not, to, not, to, not to communicate music. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe some disappointment in, in the, something that one of the musicians did at the last. Yeah, <laughs> like the yes. uh, you know the the the, the James Brown five dollar fine. Five dollar fine. Do this. Yeah. Five dollar fine. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, we do like to keep it um, friendly. You know, there is an aspect to jazz. And if anyone wants to see it in space, there's a great movie about it called Whiplash, which I finally got a chance to see. Um, And uh, we like to be the opposite of that movie. As as opposed to being competitors, we're all collaborators. If someone makes a mistake, it's our job to hold them up, cover for them. And it's about the, uh, the group doing well. So a lot of team sport in it, and that's, uh, I think, appropriate with baseball signals, too. So there yeah. you go. I think, too, that, and I've had this discussion with other guests that are in the world of jazz, there are musicians that play for alive, but they're, what I would say, almost too cool for the room. They're not communicating with the audience. They're into their music. And there are other musicians who play jazz, such as you guys, and sing, that are, con- are really communicating in a whole different way and having fun. There are people that take jazz way too seriously on stage and some that take the music seriously, but also can have fun with it. Well, I think, you know, there are lots of there are lots of different reasons to to play music. And there are lots of different there are lots of different ways to communicate what you what you want to communicate. And I I absolutely appreciate music that reaches for uh, to push the boundaries of the forum. And I think that that's really what 
you know, that's where jazz started. And, and for a lot of people, that is jazz's, that is the point of jazz. And uh, Elizabeth, that, are you looking that, out the window at something going on out there? I'm just wondering, because you're giving I, us your I, profile I, a lot. Sorry, <laughs> it's a crazy snowstorm in New York City at the moment. Um, uh, also here. <laughs> yeah, also, Evan's got some fascinating snow conditions. Yeah, so, so... Um, you know, there's, there's, there, there, there are a lot of different, there are a lot of different emotions in jazz. And one of them, one of them is very much to reach for, to reach for the brain and to reach beyond the boundaries of what the form has done. Um, and one of them is to reach for the heart and the, you know, the, the soul. And, uh, we just happen to fall on the closer, closer to that side of things. And that communication and vibe is just something that we always. It's, it's why it's why Evan and I started playing music in the first place. We we loved that feeling of the music being warm and welcoming and joyful and bringing everyone in because this form brought people together. You know that's what jazz did. It is the music of change, um, and that's one of the reasons why pushing the boundaries is so important because it pushed the boundaries of not just music, but it pushed racial boundaries. I mean, that's what jazz did when it started out, but it also brought people together. And that's where, that's where we, that's the side we land on. So on the jazz spectrum, you guys are on the warm side. We're on the warm I'd side. I'd say the hot side. There. Yeah. yeah, the hot side, because the hot sardines. You're right, Evan. Sorry. You're right. You're right. Now in, the, in, in my introduction to you, the two of you, I tried to create some sense of what you represent. I, I, I was maybe 25% accurate or 25% complete. But for each of you, and I'd like to individually have you explain how you see the hot sardines as what you represent or what the group represents. We well, to- I, I, it represents uh, people coming together over a shared experience, a fleeting and rare thing these days, I think. I think that's really the key. Is you don't. It doesn't matter what what your daily situation is, what your class or racial or any situation is, your political situation. If you come and and hear this music, especially live, that goes out the window, and everyone immediately realizes how much we have in common. And it's we're not preachy. It just happens in the room, and we've seen it happen enough. It really what keeps it's what keeps me going, and makes me so honored to get to to do this stuff because when you see that happening you know it, it does show that music has a power to communicate things that words just fail to do and it's on a very deep level and it's it's a very precise level a prof- prof- i'm sorry precise um communication it's not it, it really hits you and everyone shares it in the room elizabeth I don't know that I can put it better than that. I, I, I completely agree with Evan. It's, um, it's, it's, it's that the, 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 I would layer on top of that, the, the enduring nature of the songs that, that we play. I think that the great American songbook and the early songs of pop, you know, jazz was pop. Jazz was just pop mm-hmm. music. We call it jazz now. You know, at the time, even though it was jazz, it was the popular music. It's so, uh, gratifying to play this music with musicians who grew up not just listening to that music, but, you know, listening to people like Prince and Justin Timberlake and all of those influences combine with these influences from the early days of jazz, Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday. And so for me, I think that 
you know, we're we're grateful and, and lucky to get to do it. There are a lot of bands who are who are tackling that material and creating original songs in the vein of that material today. And I think that that's such a privilege. And I think, you know, I'm not American originally. I was born in France. And for me, jazz is the greatest contribution America has made to the world. And so it's such an honor for me to be able to play this music. And all the bands tackling sort of the early the early stuff nowadays are doing such amazing things with it. And that to me is, that's important because this music is, it's, it's, it's some of the greatest music I've ever written, you know, and to get to, to get to play that and to get to connect with people live over it and to get to have people come up to us and say, you know, I hate jazz, but I love what you do or, you know, um, you know, they've just, oftentimes people don't get to hear this kind of music live. They hear it on the soundtrack. It's on their, you know, they listen to like 1940s serious radio or whatever, but, but to hear it live and to, and to hear the personalities of the musicians, because so much of this music is about the personalities. Why are there 7,000 covers of Honeysuckle Rose? Because each musician brings their pers- their history, their stories that they have lived through. They're telling their story through that song. And that, to me, is is such a big deal to add to the collective conversation of jazz. And that's the genius of the song where all these different musicians can interpret based on their own life experiences. And that, that's Absolutely. why I think the Great American Songbook will last forever because of that Completely. reason. Yeah, I agree. Jazz lets you tell your personal story. Right. It's like you have this incredibly universal song, right, that everybody knows. And you can travel to the Czech Republic and you can travel to Brazil and people will sing you Honeysuckle Rose if they love, you know, if they love jazz. Even if they don't speak English, they'll sing you Honeysuckle Rose. And, you know, that universality combines with the highly specific nature of one musician reinterpreting something that's traveled through time. And I think there's not much that beats that. Talking about traveling through time, from the audience perspective, I'll put myself in the audience perspective, when I hear a song that was written in the 30s, for example, or even going back to the 20s, 20s, 30s, and 40s, it takes me back, even though I wasn't there, to a certain period of time. It transports me. What goes on with you and Evan, and both of you can address this, when you're performing and playing and singing a song from the 20s, 30s, and 40s, in addition to the musicianship and the singing, does it also transport the two of you? I think transport might not be the word because I, I do think it does transform us into this mode that we want to communicate to the audience. But the timelessness of the music, I think, is what at least I'm after. It, it's about showing people the the sensibilities are endless with this music. You can act uh, as a person from the 20s or, or not, if, if, but we, we are who we are today with all of the history that has occurred since the music. And, and though we play it traditionally for the most part, but we cheat all the time, but we do play in a more traditional style. Um, our sensibility is not as traditional, you know, and I think that that's the hope is to universalize the experience. So transporting the music more than ourselves into the 21st century, you know, the new classical music. And I think that's what this is. This the, the Great American Songbook will be considered like, you know, Beethoven and Mozart and, and all of that. 
wonderful, timeless music we all already acknowledge. You make an interesting point. So when the two of you are up on stage performing, what goes through, or, or maybe nothing goes through your mind because you're in the moment playing and singing, well, you tell me, what, what goes on in, in if something goes on in addition to being in the moment? In other words, are you thinking about a connection to the song? Are you thinking about a moment in time? Obviously, the audience, in some cases, depending on their age, may be transported back or at least appreciate what you're doing in the current moment. But this is a long question for a short answer. But the point is, <laughs> I'm trying to make, is what goes on in the two of you while you're performing? I think that music, regardless of what the genre is, what touches me as a fan when I go hear music is music, it kind of burns away everything that doesn't matter. All the detail, the mundane details of life. And you're just, you're reminded of yourself. You're reminded of what's important, at least for me. And so when you said transported, I'm transported, not through time, because in my mind, I don't actually think of these songs as being like, I don't think like, ooh, it's 1934 and I'm wearing like a gardenia. Nothing wrong with gardenias and nothing wrong with 1934. For me, this music is is fresh. It's it, The song is new every time I sing it. And, and it has to do with the room it has to do with how people are reacting it has to do with the connections between the musicians you know it's it's uh it's trend but it's transporting in as much as it's absolutely spiritual for me it's absolutely like if i'm not transported kind of out of myself into this other realm that we all kind of get into when we're this living breathing machine that's making music i will stop making music when i don't feel that transportingness that's not a word um <laughs> and our job is to make is to communicate that feeling to the audience because that's why i started playing music i literally was like i need to be where that feeling is being created. I need to be, I need to be in it. And, you know, it's, it's generative. It's, it's, I can't even explain it, but it is, it is, it's absolutely spiritual. And Evan? Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's, it's being, for, you have to technically be in the moment, but it is very spiritual once you are in the moment. And it, it's almost funny. A lot of the time, Elizabeth will say to me something like, you know, what did you think about that? And I have absolutely no recollection because I'm so in the moment. I'm not necessarily recording 100 percent focus on that moment, along with the audience, as Elizabeth was saying. And I'll just brag on my partner a little bit. Elizabeth has got a great ability to find organically the room's tone and start communicating with it right away. And and we all latch on and, and she and I get in that moment together and we'll banter and the tempos will adjust accordingly and the uh, everything will come together once that once we find the key to that unique show in that room. So you can't put it into words. It just you, you, the band will have the feeling. Yep, we found our communication level with them and now we're ready to go and. It sometimes happens right at the beginning of the show, sometimes not so so early, but usually pretty early, I think. And Elizabeth is a, is a wonderful uh, personality in real life, and that is the personality you get in the show. And we also all try to be our true selves and not be like, hey, we're showbiz people. <laughs> Where are you from? We've all oh, been to Toledo. that show. We've all been to that show, right? <laughs> 
right. No, that's one of the things that's so great. It's totally true, Evan, about the the authenticity piece. That's one of the amazing things about about you know about the experience of going to hear live music is you're hearing you're 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 getting to know someone better. You may never speak to that musician, you may never meet them, but they are telling you they're 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 opening up the the raincoat and showing you the lining of their soul if they're if they're if they're communicating with you and that's a pretty special thing. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guests have been Elizabeth Lugerol and Evan Palazzo from the Hot Sardines. The group is performing in Myron's at the Smith Center this Thursday and Friday January 25th and 26th at 7 p.m. For ticket information, go to thesmithcenter.com for everything about the Hot Sardines. Go to hotsardines.com and you can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and X. And Elizabeth and Evan, E&E, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Ira. Thanks, Ira. This was fun. Was, wasn't it? See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Bring us your fantasy.